call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 57 of Call It Friend of the podcast where two friends watch a film decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Donica Tiernan, watched the 2011 Indonesian action thriller, The Raid Redemption. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call It Friend of Podcast. Drop us a line there with any feedback or recommendations. When there's nowhere left to run or hide, you fight or die. So, what have you been watching? I'm going to bring three films to the fore, right? Number one. Don't know if I've talked about it on here, to be honest, but I'm going to just say it. So I got, find, I got around to watching Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, which is a film with... Just one of the greatest concepts I've ever heard of in film history. But it's blundered massively, and I have a theory about why. So it's based, it's set in a future where there's been a zombie apocalypse, or although they're different zombies because they can sometimes use tools and stuff. There's alpha zombies, and then idiot zombies are like normal zombies, but fast, etc., etc. And it's all in Las Vegas. So they're going to nuke Las Vegas. But... Just before they nuke it, like in the like in the last day, somebody hatches a plan for an Ocean's Eleven type heist to go in to zombie infested Vegas and and do a heist, right? So it's a heist zombie movie, right? So far, so great, right? That sounds like a great concept. The issue, kind of, I feel it must be Zack Snyder because he co-wrote the script. It's his concept, and I feel like. Whatever happened with him getting balls of steel and figuring it was him against the world and the film industry with Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League cut, which I still haven't watched, but I have no interest in, I feel like he must have said, you know what, nobody knows anything and I'm going to do whatever I want. Because I do think he's really great at shooting stuff, but some of the script and decisions in this are just so bizarre and some of the dialogue so poorly written. And also, you've got Dave Bautista in the lead but he's being serious all the time. Whereas if you've got Dave Bautista, you've got to be doing something like with Dwayne The Rock Johnston. Just, you know, have him be funny. Dave Bautista is so funny. So ultimately, it's a failure, and it's like two and a half hours long. And for some reason, I'm probably still going to watch the prequel that they've just released. Um, But uh, yeah, no need to watch that, anybody. So that was made for Netflix. That's right. I've been huge budget. I've been reading a bunch of people talking online. I think I was reading some Reddit thread of just people, I guess, talking about how so many of the shots in Netflix films have been made for the small screen. Hmm. Use a lot more kind of close-ups rather than wide shots. Apparently, people were saying, and there's a certain color palette that you have to use. Maybe not if you're Zack Snyder, but like a lot of filmmakers have to use theirs. There's like a Netflix color palette that you have to follow. Well, the other thing is, I don't think you have to have the same standards of cutting when it comes to Netflix stuff because I like. I think there's any standards. There's no, no no one seems to be giving anyone notes. Well, in Netflix, that's the famous thing. No notes. Yeah, but that's such a. I I think as we as we've talked about this yeah. before, and and it was relevant for today. Thinking about Gareth Evans is like. Yes, it was. We, yeah, yeah of we course. talked about that before. It's like apostle. Yeah, there's a, a danger to just letting people do whatever they want. Like there is wisdom to the Hollywood studio system. Yeah, for sure. And uh, none of that wisdom funneled into Army of the Dead, mm-hmm. even though it's uh, like again, it's such a 
it's a really good idea for a film. You know, it's the sort of idea I'd love to see Gareth Evans make, actually, in his earlier Hungry days. Although maybe he's still hungry. We'll see soon. I mean, Gangs of London was fantastic. Anyway, uh, yeah, no need to watch Army of the Dead. Have you watched Squid Game? Nope. No, me neither. <laughs> How does that connect to Army of the Dead? Just to Netflix? Yeah, right? just because everybody's watching fucking Squid Game. And that's Koreans probably the reason that I'm not watching it. Because <laughs> I'm a hipster of some description. Uh, okay, also... I rewatched because I saw it was getting a 4K re-release um, in the cinema. So for some reason I said, well, I won't get to go to the cinema, so I'll just watch it at home. So I rewatched um Mike Lee's film Naked. Now, have you seen Naked? I don't think so, no. Does this require a 4K re-release? It doesn't sound like the kind Ooh, of thing where you put in 4K. It'd be tough in 4K, I have to say. Look, How much nudity is there in it? Uh, only a little bit. And is it all like British nudity? Yes. It's the worst kind of nudity. There yes. Is. Early 90s British nudity, Oof. no less. Ouch. This is a really tough film. And I've never seen something that's more of an exemplar of the Lee method because you just could not write this. There's no way you could. So his method is famously just comes up with characters, improvises scenarios, heavily, heavily improvises scenarios. And we talked about this in our Vera Drake and Topsy Turvy episode. Exactly. And then builds a screenplay around it. And actually, in the run-up to the re-release, I listened to a big interview with him and David Thewlis, and it sounds like the making of Naked was bananas. So the basic story is this character Johnny, played by David Thewlis, is um, just an intellectual misogynist, I'm going to say, but he's quite cool as well. He's, an, he's awful, but you like him, but then you hate him, but then, so it's total back and forth with this character. And then he's just wanders around London by night, having driven up from Manchester after driven down from Manchester after sexually assaulting a woman there to stay with his old girlfriend, then sleeps with her flatmate and then ditches her for the night and just wanders around London fucking annoying people. There's one, there's one part where he's bugging a guy who's putting up posters uh, about one hour forty into it, and the guy just loses it and kicks him in the balls, and it's it's a fist pumping moment because you're like, <laughs> yes, shut the fuck up. So he just keeps going on and on and on. Um, very early incarnate. I think I don't think conspiracy theorists were much in the culture at the time. So Johnny's a conspiracy theorist. It's interesting like that. But then there's just this other weird psychotic landlord character who just shows up, takes off all his clothes, and proceeds to just abuse the women in the flat, just verbally and physically. It's a tough watch. This the cinematography is so bleak. You like I could say British naked people. All I can say is I thoroughly recommend people watch Naked, but also, Jesus, don't. Don't watch it. I can't, like, I really enjoyed it, but at the same time, I really did not. But it, I, I don't know. I don't know what you can get from that. I, like, for example, there are examples of films like Requiem for Dream I've brought up a lot, which I will never watch again. It made me so miserable. But this, there's something to this. But at the same time, it's quite a tough watch. Naked. naked. Yeah. I might watch it. And one more, last night, my wife and I, Rewatched Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig's directorial debut with Saoirse Ronan mm-hmm. about a young girl growing up in Sacramento, California, and a you know a, a fractitious relationship with her parents, and we were reduced to blubbering messes for long periods of the film, and it's definitely related to becoming parents recently, but just bawling our eyes out. I honestly, that that's it. That's all I have to say to it. I do think. Laurie Metcalf as the mother, she's really, really good in it. Saoirse Ronan strong too. Timothy Chalamet, I think, in his finest role because he just plays just a total douchebag. 
who anybody who's ever been a teenager of well i was that kind of teenager so i hated him even more you know what i mean i was just looking at him going oh you pseudo intellectual asshole I don't remember. I saw this in the cinema, and I remember almost nothing about it. You should rewatch it. I remember it. liking it. But it's really good. I just remember nothing about it. I remember her trying to go to university. That's it. It's really good. If you like Noah Baumbach, and I'm sorry because I know he's her husband or or whatever, but I mean, she's definitely picked up an awful lot of his directing yeah, chops yeah, for yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, which is a good thing, you know. Well, I I'm I sure also... they co-wrote as well. His my favorite of his films. Uh, well, 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 Francis Ha. Francis Ha. Mm. Ha I enjoy Greta Gerwig's uh, Little Women adaptation. I saw that in the cinema too. I have not watched that yet. Thought it was very good. It's got old Chalamet in it as well. And old Chalers. Sauris. Sauris Ronan. Sauris Ronan. Sauris Ronan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Famous from her days with Kurosawa. Yes. So that's what I've been watching. What have you been watching? Well, first of all, I watched Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Oh, I watched that also. Tusk. I thought you watched that too. Yeah, I was yeah, surprised I did. that didn't come up. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. When did you watch that? This week? Uh, yeah, about like, I think maybe on Monday. So. Wow, it's obviously clearly Years ago. forgettable for you. <laughs> it is forgettable. Come on. I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It I was thought about it was what I expected it to be. Yeah. It's what? It's about what I expected it to be. Oh, it's exactly it's what another I origin it story, except Asian. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been apparently it's been praised heavily for its well. Kind oh, of, that's surprising. Well, <laughs> praised heavily for its exploration of Asian culture. Yes, yeah, that's good. It's all good, isn't it? There's some nice wire work, some nice set pieces. I like the bit on the bus. Remember that? The bit on the bus was great. It was good. But then there was a bit on some outdoor scaffolding. I was less of a fan of. I agree entirely. Yeah, yeah. but uh, well, they fumble the finale a bit, don't they? In which, in what sense? Spoilers for Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. In what sense? No, we, no, but like not in in a story sense. Just it just gets bloated and it's dull by the end. Yeah, well, there's a, a some, some spoilers. There's mm. a big giant dragon fighting a big sort of soul sucker monster. Yeah, as you would expect. Very as Zack is, Snyder as is that. the way. Yeah, it's uh, but I guess I I thought that uh, Simu Liu, the the main the the star who plays mm-hmm. Shang Chi, he's solid, he's charming, he's absolutely graceless. He's got no physical grace whatsoever, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. Well, when he, he's doing martial arts, he looks just like some guy who's never ever done anything. Well, like, he hadn't. Yeah, he's like never danced. He's never done any. He's he, lived he hadn't. In the it, was, it was complete, like what he was. Bef- he came from comedy. He came from like a a, like a little a bit, but also he was um he was like a instruction book model. Nice. So if you sh- show he somebody using a energy. product, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was a little concerned about Aquafina in the first ten or fifteen minutes. I thought I was kind of worried where it was going, but I thought she was fine overall. It's she weird that they kind of introduced her and tried to turn her into like. Hawkeye <laughs> as well, which is a bit weird. Hawkeye but... series out this week. Yes, that's starting on Wednesday. Uh, for me, the MVP was was uh, Ben Kingsley, bringing back his Trevor Slattery <laughs> Mandarin <laughs> character. He was very funny. Yeah. I thought that I thought what they did with that was was good, but I just praised him as the MVP. But I'd also have to say the the baddie Tony Lung. Yes. From Hong Kong films, he was very good. It's nice to see uh, that change of pace, having like a family relationship, a baddie plot. Yes, I also just think he just lends such gravitas to it. Yeah. It's weird because it's like everybody in Marvel films, generally as a rule, almost has to bring that kind of. I mean, if they're not superstars and they don't come with their own gravitas, they have to bring that kind of um, 
Josh Whedon-y YA energy. And Tony Lung is just, no, he's just, he's just got he's proper himself. movie star charisma, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, was a little bit at odds with the thing. I agree, Trevor Slattery was great. And, and like, uh, I've always uh, wanted to see more of that character and what happened with it. Because I just thought that was... It's one of the best moments in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Is when, <laughs> when it's, he's not the Mandarin, but he's, he's Trevor Slattery. And now they've done so much with that concept. Because I didn't realize that they'd introduced this whole Ten Rings thing. This Ten Rings as a big gang criminal organization. Mm. That's not from the comics. That was uh, invented for the MCU. Was it? Apparently so, yeah. Okay. And so they, but they've seeded that, and then they've managed to build on it. I think that's what Marvel has done quite well: is continuing to build on these things that they put in place, even now. Have you seen the in Phase Four the trailer for Spider Man? I refuse no to Home? watch it. I refuse to watch. I'm trying to avoid trailers. Okay, well, this is one to avoid then. I I already know some of the. I mean, I think I know enough about that new Spider Man next month's Spider No Way Home. I think I know enough about that they're going for a multiverse thing, and there's going to be all kinds of actors from the previous yeah. properties. But because it's hard, it, it's impossible to avoid that. But I I don't want to have all the. I don't want to to see exactly what it looks like and have all the main shots spoiled. How did me. you feel about the Mark Webb Spider Man? Not a fa- I only watched the first one. I didn't watch uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, and I was not a fan. I really liked them both. Mm. I j- and I know I'm alone with that, except yes, for Enemy of the Show, John Spallan, I know is a fan too. But I thought they got closest to what is my favorite iteration of Spider-Man, the 1990s cartoon, voiced mm. by uh, Greg Brady from the Brady Bunch movie. Nice. Yeah. Did you also like those films because the guy's name is Mark Webb? I thought that was a strength, yes. Yeah, that's why he got the job. Also, spoiler, the death of Gwen Stacy was unbelievable. Well, that's that ruined for everyone go. now, even with that spoiler warning. So I did watch one other, things, one other thing as well, not a film. I watched a stand-up comedy special. Okay. And I don't watch stand-up comedy. No, no, no. I think we've Comedy's established. Awful. I hate it. I'm not a fan. I rarely watch specials. The last one I watched was my good, good Facebook friend, Mark Normans, <laughs> <laughs> which I enjoyed. But I finally got round to watching Shane Gillis live in Austin. You hadn't watched it yet. I hadn't watched it. I don't. I don't watch comedy. It's oh, free on YouTube. It's so good. I thought it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. I laughed a lot, even by watching it by myself. I was laughing like a psychopath. Was it a different thing to what you thought it was going to be? For me, yeah. it was. Yes, it was way different because I expected it to be more polished. Uh, I went afterwards and tried to watch a bunch. Of, I'd flick through a bunch mm. of other people's specials, mm. and I had to switch them off after 30 seconds because I just couldn't handle how polished they were. Yeah. They just felt f- so fucking fake yeah, and yeah. forced. That feels like standoff. Like. And this, yeah, this feels like what it feels like being in the room. It is well shot. It's well edited. And he's just, well, he's just, just a brilliant standoff. Yeah. And it's just, it's got like a fun vibe. Totally. He's doing, he's verging into dangerous territory and he gets through it well. Has fun he, doing it. Yes. He has a very personal story about his heroin addict sister, yeah. which is hilarious. Yeah. And I, I, the fact that it was rough around the edges, mm. like that's a real plus point for me. My favorite does. moment in it is actually probably one that really does take you into the room where he hears the music from next door and he goes, yeah. oh, music is so much better than <laughs> what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They left in like really honest bits. Of, like it, it does feel like watching a very well-produced, like real concept of someone's comedy set, not mm. something that's been made for Netflix or TV. 
it's what it it's what stand up comedy should look like to me. It's why I can't watch people's specials. A great exemplar of the way stand up comedy just kind of is now is we've talked about this a little bit was the episode of the Joe Rogan experience where you had Mark Norman, Shane oh Gillis God, and yeah. Ari Shafir in there. Yeah. And it was just it, like, and I think Ari Shafir is quite <laughs> funny, but he's not on Norman or yeah, Gillis's yeah, level. Yeah. And just, th- okay, those three, let's say, just contrasting with superstar with Rogan. Joe Rogan yeah. and just, you've just got real comedy on one side of the table and then this other... Like a media figure as SNL would have you yeah, believe. M- just this other monstrosity on the other side just not getting anything and it's just there you go and like this Desperate is what to hump a stool yeah yeah oh god that was a fantastic video you sent <laughs> you should put that in the show notes that's I'll put so that in funny the show notes the joe rogan stool fucking video oh god it's so funny <laughs> and then a the critique of poor old joey rogan the the funniest bits in that the, and the most amazingly telling bits are when he is <laughs> he's arguing defending <laughs> the concept <laughs> yes. to jeff garland of stool yeah fuck. he's like so well, you've got a really good <laughs> stool fucking bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway not to go too far down no, a stand-up no, no. comedy rabbit hole but uh shane gillis special i think it's free on youtube i would definitely consider rewatching. Yeah, it yeah yeah because it feels like old i mean i've watched too much comedy in my life is how i feel too much stand-up and it's me kind of me off and also we've seen all manner of uh people doing bad comedy mm. We've done some of it ourselves. <laughs> Indeed we <laughs> so, have. So it's just nice to go back and watch something that's actually good. It's on his YouTube channel. It's, well, on the Gilly and Keeves YouTube channel, which has a bunch of good sketches on it. Yerk. Wow, those, those two things, uh, they do connect. Shang-Chi and Shane Gillis. There's a strong connection there. <laughs> Is there? <laughs> yeah, between an Asian film and then Shane Gillis. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> enough, uh, about, enough about that. Uh, yeah, I, well, I mean, you know, it is it, Asians shot Shane Gillis to superstardom in a Absolutely. sense. Absolutely, you know, they they made him. Yeah, yeah, yeah very good. That is what made him. Um, and g- given how much he appreciates uh, Asians, maybe he too would be a fan of Gareth Evans' 2011 masterpiece. I'll say masterpiece, The Raid Redemption. I'll, I'll, I'll take a, a little lead on this for a few minutes. First Please. of all, did you manage to watch the second one? I'm sorry to say I did not. Neither did I. I got caught up watching episodes of The Wire. <laughs> I think it's better that you didn't, because really? I was thinking about it on the way over here, yeah, and I, I think, actually, The Raid 2 is such a different beast. Mm. Just give it a little bit of time. I guess it's not in a tower. No, it's not. like it, it, I, so The story of the making of The Raid 2 is he had the concept for the script beforehand, and it's a more of a sprawling sort of a gangster story um and then it was only when he was finishing up on the raid script he figured oh if this works out and i he thought it might if this works out i can probably um just rewrite that other screenplay and fit it in as a sequel to this so it is just a completely different thing. It's a different beast uh, to the raid. And I, despite the fact that I really enjoyed it, I I saw I went to see it in the cinema twice when it was out. Did you enjoy the raid? I must ask first. Yeah, I I would be. I can't imagine now. This is. I I don't know if this is going to sound bad, but let's just break this down to the most basic gender stereotypes. Okay. I can't imagine a man not enjoying <laughs> the raid. I can imagine many ladies, uh, you tell them the premise of the film and they would immediately go like, ah, yes, that is not for me. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But even just the premise of the, everything about this film, I'm like, yes, of co- obviously, yes. Oh, it's glorious. Yes. <laughs> There's a, the one thing I'll say about it is 30 minutes into the film, 
I was questioning. I was like, I thought this was supposed to be a martial arts film, mm. and not no one had been punched at all. There was oh, a but bit then you of get to the corridor fights. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was it. Like that's about half an hour into yeah. the film. And when that kicked into gear, I was like, yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It just this penchak penchak silat. Mm. Mar- I believe that's how it's pronounced. Penchak silat. Uh, martial art of just kicking the absolute shit out of a bunch of guys. The choreography is amazing. The other thing that that uh, I was kind of I'd already heard about this and mm. I mentioned it before is the similarity to Dread. Yeah, it's, is unbelievable. it's unbelievable. But apparently, and it was an accident. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, 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 they it's were, mad, isn't it? It's some coincidence. They were making the films around the same time. Mm. The Raid came out like six months earlier, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's Complete coincidence. Mad coincidence. But yeah, anyway, sorry, continue. Do you know a little bit about him? Yeah, so his wife is of Japanese-Indonesian descent, and it was her idea for him to go and make a documentary about Penchak Silat, this martial art. Correct. And then he met Iko Uwais, mm-hmm. who he cast in Merintau, his first, uh, well, his, his first film he mm-hmm. made over there. And that guy, uh, Eco Ways, was working as a driver, I believe, some kind of. He was working as a delivery man, delivery guy, and he met him in the gym and was like, "Hey, he's charismatic. He's cool as all hell." Mm. And so decided to make that film, Merintau. I flicked through Merintau. It looked quite amateurish. There, mm. there might be something to it, but I just found it quite. I, I just felt there like is, I but it's watch kind it. of like a. It's a it's an interesting rabbit hole to go down mm. once you get interested in the way he makes films, mm-hmm. um, which is very interesting to me. And like you said, it's real. Uh, he carries on this methodology today, but it's real grassroots stuff. Like mm. there, there's like you know the guy who um, sneakily takes a, a machete out from under the table. Yeah, that guy's like an architect. Nice. Well, he was an architect. Every, all, almost any, everybody who stood out in the film went on to join. Um, stunt teams and they've worked in like Star Wars and the Fast yeah, franchise. Yeah, some of these guys are doing really, really well yeah, yeah, nowadays yeah. off of the raid, which is All fantastic. from the raid, yeah. yeah really good. the way he... So, Gareth Evans is a great follow on Instagram because he's just clearly passionate about cinema. I, I know that you follow him on Instagram mm. because I went on his Instagram and I saw a lot of his posts liked by Donica Tiernan. Yeah, yeah. Well, there and you go. You, fo- you also follow Eco Uwes I do, well. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been stalking you on Instagram <laughs> by seeing who you follow. I do, yeah. I want to see how the boys are doing. You know? I also follow him. Yeah. I follow both of them now as well. Well, um... Anyway, so if you, it over the last like year or so, you got you got to see, and I had heard about his way of making movies before, but you got to see a, a, just a r- really interesting, almost documentary about um, the previs that he does because he was doing it for his Netflix film, which will come out next year with Tom Hardy, uh, Havoc. And I love the, the, the way you pronounce that is great. What Havoc? Well. He does like a previs previs, which is before they've got the money. In like, and the the funny thing was, in the case of Havoc, they had the money, but he still did it this grassroots way. Before they have the money, before they have anything, just him and some fighters and some stunt teams and some like mini DV cams would work out shot lists beforehand by just shooting crap versions of them and the fights in slow motion or whatever, just to know exactly what shots they would do and stitch together almost a complete version of the film, but just shitty, right? So that then when they w- they come to shoot their action scenes and all the film actually, they shoot hardly any coverage. 
they know exactly. Yeah, because he filmed for this only something like 120 minutes yep. and cut it down to 100. Or there so. you go. That is crazy to think about, shooting so little. They literally have moving storyboards to work yeah. from, and they know, and and like, the way he put it was, is that they learn their, the fighters would learn their choreography as they go on the day, because, because they're not so shooting. so well choreographed. Yeah. It's one of the best I've ever seen. Because they only get, have to focus on, they don't have to learn the choreography for the whole scene yeah. in order to, because they're going to be doing coverage. They know the shots. They know exactly what they're doing. They practice and get this right. They, let's say they learn. So they just have to do it like one time. Once or twice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And because they know exactly what way they're shooting it, it's just so frenetic and tough. And it's just like, you. it really, really works on the screen. You can tell he's passionate about this type of filmmaking and you can tell how well he's worked his methodology out, you know? That, I wonder. It, it it's a shock to me that no one was seriously injured or killed. Very, <laughs> it just looks like they yeah, should yeah, have yeah, been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very few people, but there's little stuff like... There must be some people getting injured, yeah. The big the centerpiece fight that happens near the end, let's say, that all that floor was rubber. Mm. I mean, it looks like concrete with blood all over it, and they painted it effectively, but it, like, I mean, you know, safety precautions like that. But also, the not shooting coverage helps with the less injuries as well. I guess, yeah, there's fewer opportunities. But they, they did no slow fights, which is the thing mm. people normally do, because they couldn't afford slow motion. Um, which actually is there's an interesting one. Um, you know the scene where uh, the old bastard cop shoots yeah. the kid near the start, and you see the slow motion bullet go. Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. That they couldn't afford to do slow motion, so that actor is just pretending to do <laughs> slow motion. Nice I little, need to watch that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you rewatch it again, it's, with so that information, funny. it's it's quite funny. Yeah, I, I after everything I said last week about the thing about 1980s mm. gunplay and saying I wanted a bit more Alec Baldwin's, I think like uh, this film did something completely different. They used only airsoft BB guns, mm. and then all the gunshots have been were added afterwards. Yeah, all the blood splats Digital, as well. Uh, and, yeah. Effects, and that was very effective. The sound design in this film is kind of what makes it. I watched it with headphones on. The gunshots every are gun outstanding. Shot, every punch, yep. every it it adds so much to it. And also the version, uh, something about the version that I watched. When I was sourcing a copy of the film, the the versions I kept coming across dubbed versions online. Yes, and that I the concept that, that anyone just fucking watching this film dubbed is horrific. The first time I ever watched this film, I rented a DVD, um, and there was only a dubbed version. So the first Jesus. time I watched it was actually dubbed. I don't know. This film had a real word of mouth success. It didn't get a cinematic release in Ireland. Like it was just doing festival runs. I think it got a brief cinematic release in the UK, but then um, the second one arrived to massive fanfare. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it got a cinema release in Wales. But yeah, what? I uh, yes, the the dubbing was something that I managed to avoid, thankfully. Also, the soundtrack. I watched it, I guess, with the soundtrack mm. that was added on later with, from Mike Shinoda from, um, what are they called, Linkin Park. He did the soundtrack with someone else. Really? Yeah, but that was only after, I think, Sony, it was, who bought the film. They they got him oh, to do... Oh, that's the version so there was, I saw. Yeah, yeah. there's some other soundtrack, apparently, previously. I've not seen I that. I wonder what that was like. This is the... the it's kind of... Yeah, it sounds very. But Lincoln, I think I think I think the Park, music actually. worked really well. Yeah, I think it. so too. It's, it's kind of it's it's really high octane. I there's very few faults I could place on this movie. I lo- like I love it start to finish. I think it's 
probably up there tossing it out with um, Mad Max Fury Road for best action film of this century so far. Yeah. Really. I, I just think it's so tight. I, th- I, I think the plot is engaging. Um, I even like that, like the like small little small little moves to undermine the regular action plot. You know, the one issue that I might have with it is uh, the uh, clumsy retitling of it of the ra- as the raid redemption because there actually is no redemption in the story because the brother just goes, "Yeah, I'm going to keep being a criminal." Yeah, the fight choreography is for me is what takes what elevates it above dread. Mm. But the characters uh, off of the back of watching this, I went out and. Uh, borrowed from the internet mm. the first 27 Judge Dredd case file uh, graphic novels. So it's like basically... Off the strength of the raid. Yeah, because it, <laughs> it got me thinking about Dredd. Yeah, yeah, and then enough. I was like, I'd like to read some Judge Dredd How is that aged? I haven't read Judge Dredd in years. It's all black and white, isn't it? Well, they've they colorized a lot of it. I would say that I've started from case file number one mm. and it's rough it is rough going i probably need to go a bit further on well you should because you know there is approximately a billion issues of yeah that. yeah 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 so i don't know where the correct starting point is to avoid the really early shy but anyway my point was just that if there is any cri- if i have criticism of the raid it's maybe similar to well i, I not as strong as like someone like roger ebert's criticism who gave it one star out of four what uh, yeah, well, ah. Roger Ebert Roger Ebert said there was a lack of character death, uh, depth, rather, and noted the Welsh director Gareth Evans knows there's a fanboy audience for his formula, in which special effects amp up the mayhem and senseless carnage. I wouldn't say that. I mean, I was thinking about the kind of lack of character depth issue. Is just the one thing I would give the Dread film is that I like the Judge Dread character and I care about yes. the, I care about the characters in that film a little bit. Well, you don't more. care about um, Rama. He seems like a night. Well, I care. I don't care about the character of Rama. I just I like Iko Uwe. So he is like he's like looks like a good guy. Mm. <laughs> I like the, guy, the actual the, actor. And what about the captain Raka? I think his name is. Yeah, again, he uh, he's doing very well for himself now as well. He's uh, getting some good roles. Is he? Yeah, he works at Greg's, the Bakers. <laughs> no, he's uh, he's doing. I I can't remember exactly what he's in, but he's doing. Um, his name's Joe Taslim. He's uh, he's doing a bunch of stuff. Okay, before Jacka, we, he's bef- called bef- Jacka. Before we kick off Jackass. into cast, I suppose favorite moments, favorite deaths, because it's just punctuated with great moments. That's what this film is. Like, for example, when the <laughs> when the baddie with the massive afro just starts wailing with the machine gun is one I really like. The first time a guy sails across the stairwell and lands on his back. Yeah, there's just some sickening crunches. I, I, the door wait. frame. Blowing up the fridge, oh, that's nuking awesome. the fridge. Yeah, yeah, the fridge bomb. One. That's class. I just, I like how there's like a video game quality to it of you've got henchmen and yes. bosses. Like the bosses, yes. you know, there's the one guy who wears like a kind of purple hoodie or purple. He's like, yeah. yeah, like he's obviously has to be the last of his crew to die because yeah, yeah. he's the boss. He's the boss, yeah, yeah. It's like, I like that you do that. Like you make the boss a bit harder. Well, and that's what's supposed to be. It's so game. Oh, I know what um I know what the guy who plays Jacka is in. He's in uh he's in the new Mortal Kombat film. Which I've been meaning to watch. He plays Sub Zero or Scorpion or something. Uh have you seen it? Or you, no, no. Know, okay. But I hear it's okay. I wouldn't mind watching it. Uh, no, it, like I've said it before, I'll say it again. You can make 
a great video game adaptation, a great video game movie. It just can't be an adaptation. You can't have a video game attached yeah. to it. Now, maybe um, the Tom Holland one... Uncharted. Maybe Uncharted will prove us wrong. I doubt it. Since yeah, if you, I did watch the trailer for that, and I'm not convinced. Because it looks like a mashup of all the games into one thing. And obviously, like, Wahlberg is as criticized for being way too young for the part. Yeah, that's fair, playing, too. playing uh, Sully. Um, and maybe Holland being a little bit too young. I don't know. And I think I told you what he said. Like, Tom Holland said after making the film, he's like, ah, there's some parts of it I wish I'd done differently. Which is a great... Oh, that's not a great That's a great thing. thing to say before it comes out. Plus, it's also a Ruben Fleischer film. It doesn't have a great what? track record. Like, is there any video game adaptation that's been even all right? Uh, probably Mike Lee's Naked. That's, <laughs> that's my favorite. I enjoyed that game a lot. Text-based adventure. Definitely, yeah. Correct. I try, I don't know what's the best game ad best game adaptation. Uh. I didn't hate, which is the best compliment you can give. I didn't hate uh, the um, Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider film. Yeah, I saw that in the cinema, but I did. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, I liked the, towards the end of that. It's revealed there's like a COVID type virus attached <laughs> to the carp. Spoilers for Alicia Vikander's Tomb Raider. Uh, probably Assassin's Creed. <laughs> There you I go. I've seen that Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li. That's got to be up there, surely. Well, according to <laughs> according to Rotten Tomatoes, it's uh, the Angry Birds movie two, <laughs> and then Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Sonic the Hedgehog. Haven't seen that. Mortal Kombat's at number four with a fifty-four percent fresh. So that gives you an idea of how bad they are. Rampage. I watched that. That was awful with The Rock. Yeah, there's absolute dog shit in here. It's not good. <laughs> Prince of Persia's at number 11. That's how bad. And then all the Resident Evils. Oh, yeah. There's Silent a... Hill. I didn't mind that. I thought that was a solid enough adaptation. There's a billion Resident Evil for the Warcraft. I've refused to watch Warcraft. Yeah, me neither. Me there's too. A, there's a, I think there's a new Super Mario Brothers film coming out. At there some is. Point. Why? Well, because there's like an adaptation. <laughs> you can, there's, there's, a, there's something to be made there. They've got a, a product to sell. Nintendo's licensed it, I guess. There you go. So there you go. The Raid is the best video game movie. Yeah, now someone just needs to make the game of The Raid if they haven't already. This is it. I would play that. Um, so many moments. What would you? What's a what one that uh, strikes you? We've well, already mentioned. Like, I feel like the slow motion shooting. I think that's excellent. Shooting the kid through the door. Oh yeah, that's just a good the, moment. Watching the bullet come out of the gun and hit him, and just there's another kid just standing on the on the upper floor watching. Bullets. And he's just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I think those are those are very good. The bomb in the fridge already mentioned. The final fight with uh, Mad Dog. I wasn't such a big fan of that, but I do. Oh yeah, yeah. No, the other fight with him when Mad Dog brings the guy in with the gun and then is like puts his yeah. gun down and says it's all about the hands for me. Well, it's, I like taking a man's life. With it's my such hands. a terrific intro for the character because you don't know at that point which one is the mad dog. You can kind of tell because the way he looks like. But well, one's called Andy and he looks nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the other is Donica Mad Dog Tiernan. Um, he looks like a bad guy. But uh, yeah, then. Uh, oh, it's such a terrific way to intro that char- character because you know Jack is going to die at that point. Well, I didn't know what was going on. I thought he was going to make him do something or <laughs> he's going to make him do stuff. Oh, like... Uh, or like, or else like I thought... S- like Series 2 of The Shield kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. Old David Acevedo yeah, action. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought he was like going to be... It turns out like, oh, they were mates or something. I didn't know what was going on. I also didn't place that... Because the first time watching it... I, I, this was the first time watching it. 
I didn't place that there were the two kind of deputies that those were. I didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize Mad Dog as one of the two guys ah, okay, from okay, the okay, start. Fair enough. That scene where, like, we'll get to it when we're talking about plot, but to introduce Mad Dog that way, I just thought, because the captain's bigger than him and everything, so there's, like, just parts where he's just pummeling the shit out of him, and the captain maybe gets the better of him, and then he loses it again, and then, interesting fact for you, so, uh, you know, the sound cuts out. When? In that scene. During the fight? Yeah. I've no recollection. Yeah, well, there's no sound, but basically that was just a... Is that a fuck-up? No, well, it was all, like... It was all. It was more like a fuck up in the editing suite where nice. that he didn't have the the correct sound oh, file matched up, okay. and it was ju- <laughs> he was just wi- watching the, a, a certain cut of the fight, and he was like, "Oh, this is actually interesting because it kind of it's it's past this point, and once you yeah, lose the yeah, sound, yeah. you're like, oh, he's gonna die. That's it.' Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, anyway. I thought that like that Mad Dog character making some questionable decisions, <laughs> which ultimately lead to his death. But if you really enjoy taking another man's life with your hands, who am I to argue? You might as well. You're gonna have to take a couple of risks to get that sweet, sweet manual murder. Mm-hmm. A few more great uh, moments. Uh, there's a a, a roll over headshot where he just rolls over, put pop, uh, the cop who's been injured rolls over and puts the gun to the head of yeah, the other guy. Yeah, yeah. It gives him a double tap. And also, when you're seeing people being stabbed and then they stab and move the knife. They, yeah, uh, well, I, like the, I like how they do the kind of multi-stab, like... There's one point where Rama, I think it's Rama, or it might be one of the other guys, like pulls out a gun and just goes like... Does like Almost a, like a, sta- it's so a cool. gunshot stab. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. There's some really, really going cool down stuff. through the floor. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and then going up through the floor. Good God. Uh, yeah. Some of the there was a short period, a very short period, where some of the steady cam shots were making me a bit groggy. It was a bit mm. quantum of solacy. Okay. Born, uh, born series film, borny stuff, Borneo. But it was a very, very short. It was a very short section, and then it kind of stabilized. Some of the ca- like the camera angles are inventive. They really help the action. You can see that Gareth Evans was trying things that were working. There's a lot of Dutch angles that work quite well. It added to the violence, the confusion, but there was just a short period where I was like, fucking relax. In that regard, The Raid 2 is a true sequel because it's loads of trying stuff. Right. There's a car chase in The Raid 2 when the camera goes out the window of the pursuing car and up and in the window of the car being pursued in which a fight is taking place. Like, it's it's a mad move. Tell me about Gangs of London. Okay, so Gangs of London... Is, is there is there hand-to-hand combat? Loads, yeah. Interesting. The, and actually, I think... Are they using, like... Evans directed, I the think, same the first five episodes. And no, not really. It's more so... It's much more gritty kind Just of punching fighting. the fuck out. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Like, pub fighting, but mm. well choreographed. Fighting um, good chase sequence, uh, Good chase sequences. And there is a kind of... I don't know what you'd call it. So there's a character in in it who's in hiding and then there is he's in hiding so in some rural shithole in Wales, no offense Wales. And then this crack team of like, I don't know, Scandinavian hitmen, I don't know where they're from exactly, arrive to take out the house and uh, there's just a, a great big kind of a home alone with guns scenarios where there's a massive a confrontation. Skyfall. Yeah, yeah. Um and uh, that I think that's kind of the centerpiece of the whole series. That's episode five, directed by Evans. But also Corin Hardy directed a few episodes, and they're really and Cor- good What too. did Corin Hardy direct? The Nun, The Hallow, and he was attached to three times the remake of The Crow. 
Oh, a Crow remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good, a good, solid director. You'd like it to him to get the opportunity to make more of his own stuff, that kind of thing. But, uh, well, in Gangs of London, they've gotten the opportunity to be quite creative. It's got a good cast. You've got Colin Meany, Joe Cole. Sophie Derisu. He was in Black Mirror. Yeah, it's got a great cast. Why am I in you... fucking Spanish Wikipedia? Anyway, sorry. Yeah, you got uh, Colomini, Joe Cole, Sope Derisu, which in a big kind of a first role for him, but he majorly sort of leads the series as, not a spoiler to say, an undercover cop infiltrating the gangs of London. Well, I'm not watching that now. That's spoiled. It's really interesting, though, because, the th- uh, like, and I heard an interview with uh, Gareth Evans about it. They just, dis- like, early on, when they were making it, they decided... Okay, we're gonna have. Even though all the gangs seem to be of like different races, we're gonna we're not gonna include racism in this. Cause, Great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They just wanted to make it about you know conflicts and fighting and you know drama and it's honestly it's a really really good show. I really enjoyed it. Probably it peaks at episode five, which is an issue. The last three episodes are a little bit dull. I found, but I'm definitely looking forward to season two, and I'm I actually might rewatch it. The first three, and then. The fifth episode are so much fun, like just chaotic action all over the place, which is very, very all over the place uh, ratings and the IMDb user review section. People don't like it. Interesting. It's all over the place as real ones and tens divisive. A lot of people say it's silly and some people are saying it's brutal. Nice. Well, yeah, I enjoyed the raid. I will eventually watch the raid too. And then I will watch uh, the Raid 3 and then the Raid 4. <laughs> well, the uh, the Raid 3 will never is get Is that going to happen? Is no. Happen? There, is an idea, there is an idea he had for it, which people wouldn't be interested in, which was that, okay, so the Raid 2 features conflicts with some Japanese mobsters. Ah, good. And then he figured that at the end of the Raid 2, he would just uh, follow them and they would end up in a kind of a drug conflict in a jungle. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to work. Well, no, people, like, I mean, I'm sure it would be we great. We need to see equal ways. That's what it's all about, right? Well, exactly, yeah. What is he doing these He's He made a show, didn't he? Would you like to hear a little about the cast? Let's. So, Iku Uwes, who played Rama, like you said, he was a delivery driver. He's one of, one of the few survivors of the raid. That's what it says on his Wikipedia part. There you go. He previously worked with Evans in Merantau, having lived for four years in Indonesia and learned about the country's predominant religion. Director Gareth Evans implicitly integrated the Muslim faith in Uwe's character. Yeah, I heard that as well. That like he wanted to open with that because he had just noted that in the years following um, 9-11, the call to prayer was more, uh, used in a very sinister way cinematically. Mm. Um, and he had he said when he was living in... Indonesia, he always found it quite beautiful, so he wanted to integrate that into the start. Yeah, I had heard that. Iko Uwais was in Mile 22 with Mark Wahlberg. He was the baddie in Stuber Mm. with Kumail Nanjiani, which looks fairly brutal as well. It's about an Uber driver called Stu. This is not a joke. I've never heard of this. Iko Uwais is the baddie in it, apparently. Iko Uwais has also been cast in Expendables Brutal as in really bad. Yes, as in bad. Yes, not brutal good, brutal bad. He's also in The Expendables 4. They're making that? Yeah, it's got him, Tony Jaa, and uh, I don't know, whoever else they could get hold of. Jackie Chan? Quite possibly. (laughs) Yeah, they got Jackie Chan, they got Bruce Lee, they got Brandon Lee. 
they've got the lady that Alec Baldwin <laughs> shot. They've <laughs> got everyone that you need to make a good expendable film. Everyone important. Oi, poor old fella. Next up was Joe Taslam, who played Jacka, the sergeant who leads his unit into the raid. Having been a fan of Merentau, the former judo champion Taslam contacted right. Evans through Facebook for their next project. Yeah, um, and I just think as well, he's a good example of just an actor who has like a, a likable face, so you can put him in he that is, role. He is very likable. Like we said, he was in Mortal Kombat, the most recent Mortal Kombat adaptation. Apart Wait from that, he seems to have been doing a bunch of stuff in TV over in his native Indonesia. So did Eco work with Mark Wahlberg before or after doing the raid? After. All of this is after. So how, did, like how did he learn to be such a badass? Who taught him? Well, I, I guess understand. he probably grew up watching Wahlberg films. Ah, fair enough. And that's how he learned all martial arts and stuff. As as, as Eco always famously said, Mark Wahlberg would have stopped 9-11. That's, <laughs> that's a famous Eco always quote. <laughs> it's got to be one of the funniest things that have happened this century that Mark Wahlberg said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, how far can you be removed can you be from reality to think that's an all right thing to say? So funny. We had uh, Ray Sahetapi, who played Tama. Don't have much to say about him. The ruthless drug lord. Mm. Evans wanted a non-stereotypical take on the character, citing most gangster films wherein the boss is usually wearing a pristine suit and smoking cigars. Yeah, I like that. So they got like and a, noodles. <laughs> they got like the grubbiest drug lord imaginable. So if you had the choice between him or Cersei, because Cersei's in dread. Oh. What's her name again? Lena Hedy? Hedy? Lena Headley. Yeah, she's a, she's the she's Ma in Dread. Who would you have? Um, I think I'd go Cersei. Yeah, probably. She's quite uh, disturbing. That said, I haven't seen it in years. I remember watching it in 3D in the cinema, actually. Dread was, uh, of, of late, in the last year or two, Carl Urban came out and said that uh, Pete Travers didn't direct it. It was Alex Garland who did most of it and should have had a, a co-credit. Wow. Yeah. He said he looked to Alex Garland for instruction and direction. And I wonder would, to, Alec, would Pete, Pete Travers. Travers ever come out and say that? I think Pete Travers has said like, well, yeah, it was difficult. It was a difficult time. But so he, uh, Carl Urban said the Dread film should be considered as Alex Garland's debut, directorial debut. Before uh, Ex Machina. Yeah, yeah, Ex Machina. We have Yayan Ruhian as Mad Dog. He's great. I love that yeah. guy. A skilled fighter who's a muscle behind Tama's operation. Ruhian previously worked with Evans in Merentau as an actor and fight choreographer. Evans cast Ruhian in the film as he wanted him to play a purely evil character opposite to that which he had played in his debut film, which had a redeemable value. What, what do you remember about his character in Merentau? Uh, absolutely nothing. He nice. comes back in Raid 2 as well. Even, oh, good. But different character. Oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he's just so good. Like <laughs> he is. He's uh, and yeah. it, it's nice to know he's one of the choreographers. The other one is Eco Ways did a bunch of the choreography as well. He was in um, Star Wars: The Force Awakens for some reason. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. As one of the uh, I don't know they they come on board the ship. Yeah, with and, and, Chewie. and there's the Scottish guy who's yeah. like. Han Solo. <laughs> it's just mad. Why would you bring the real boys the, in and, not, and not use them? Yeah, they don't use them for any fighting and that big evil monstery thing. Well, not an evil monster. Just a monster escapes and starts eating people. Let's forget about Star Wars because it's shite. Donny Alamsia as Andy, Tama's consigliere, who is also Rama's estranged elder brother. Alamsia 
also played Uwe's character's brother in Merentau. Since he not since he regretted not being able to do action scenes in Merentau, Alamsia approached Evans as they prepared for the raid, earning the role having aced the audition. Nice. So yeah, he's uh he loves being Iko Uwe's brother in films. Good for him. He seems I liked him. I liked that Andy character. I thought as a fellow Andy, I could really empathize. How early along did you figure he was his brother? Reasonably early. Uh, when, well, quite early on when... Andy uh, kills two boys. Well, that that's the point where you're like, okay, yes, clearly he's like on, on the inside. But Rama, very early on, I think when he's leaving the house, he says, I'll bring him back. I'll yeah, bring yeah, yeah. him home. So you're like, okay. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. There's some sort of, he's, he's, it's not, it all is not as it seems here on this raid. <laughs> We've got. Uh, <laughs> you should have done dubbing for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, that was a direct quote. <laughs> all is not as it seems here on this raid. <laughs> Next, there's Iang, Iang Dharmawan as Gofar, a tenant of the building who tends to his ill wife. Yes. He's a kind of nice guy. Prior to the film, Gofar's acting credits have been in sketch comedies. And the raid marks his transition to a serious role. I mean, go. is it a serious role? Very serious. He has to. Uh, he what, has what, the utility uh, as a character. What about that scene where in his flat, oh, where class. the two guys are in the wall? Brilliant scene. And the the the. That's the, what I mean. He has utility, like machete guy is stabbing, stabbing the wall, and ends up putting his blade through Rama's cheek. And then Rama, and then Rama has to. The yeah, blood. Rama has to clean the blade with his hand. That's good stuff. It is, yeah. Now, let's see if there's anyone else. Oh, yeah, the other person to mention is Dagu, a skilled fighter and team member who protects Lieutenant Wayu as they make their way towards Tama, a Taekwondo practitioner. Yeah, his name is Eka Ramadia, a Taekwondo practitioner. Ramadia is part of the Piranha stunt team who helped with the film shooting. So you've got a bunch of the choreographers are actors in the film, which yep. is very impressive and have gone on to have big hollywood careers on the street yeah because they're fucking great fight cars you just love hearing all stuff like that like you know it's just pure raw talent not not a not a huge budget and the uh, the, like that was a strength of the film i thought you know Mm -hmm. that's it for cast wise that's about it they're they're all getting involved in more projects and they're good sweet they're all good actors i mean they seem to me to be good actors that's the thing watching something that's in a foreign Mm, language yeah it is yeah i don't know the one person i thought was a bit over the top was the guy i was talking about before the purple purple hoodie guy yeah some of his acting i was like even in a foreign language this seems a bit hammy yeah i remember when we watched um land and freedom and i watched it with belen and she could not watch it because she some said some of the Spanish were actors amateur, were amateur amateurs. Yeah, yeah. and I under like I understand Spanish, so I was yeah, but I still didn't pick up on how bad their acting was. Yeah, it's hard to you, you this you never really know. You know in English, you know in your native language, but yeah, in a foreign language, it's hard to tell if someone is utter shite or if that's just how people speak when mm. they're acting in that language. Well, the one way to avoid that: watch the dubbed version of the raid <laughs> if you are mentally incompetent moving on into the plot ready yeah rookie bry mob officer brimob do you know what that is must be the swat or something yeah it's the mobile brigade corps okay which is the indonesian swat team they were formed in i did a bit of research into that they were formed in 1946 do you know what they were doing killing communists 
killing Japanese, mopping up Japanese people at the end of the war. Ah, uh, okay. Like who were still hanging about. Nice. Trying to all put them in their put them in their place. So that does make Raid 2's plot, as you described it, of fighting the Japanese. I could imagine that having some resonance for Indonesians in general. Raid 2 is great. Rookie Bry Mob Officer Rama joins a 20-man squad led by Sergeant Jack and Lieutenant Wayu for a raid on an apartment block with the intent of arresting nice. crime lord Tamariyadi. Good job. To get to, that's the first time I read that sentence. Together with his lieutenants Andy and Mad Dog, Tama runs the block and allows criminals and addicts to rent rooms under his protection. All of that is just is exactly dread. That's yeah. exactly Ma runs the big tower block and they rent out flats to people who she offers protection to. And when the judges come calling, well, they basically don't come calling because they're shit scared of going in there. Um, Evans was inspired by, I forget the name of the film, but uh, um, uh, an early enough Chow Yun-Fat film that he had heard of with this concept of Chow Yun-Fat running a hotel for people on the mm. run. And he said when he eventually got around to watching it, it included a bunch of musical numbers and only a little bit of a fighting at the end. So he wasn't mad about the film, but the concept stuck with him. And that's where yeah, you have to make your own Chow Yun-Fat film. Maybe he's an Expendables for. Yeah, it seems about right. He'd be a good, a good uh, name to mop up for it. Tama runs the block and allows criminals and addicts to rent rooms under his protection. Arriving undetected, the team sweeps the first floors and subdues various tenants. They also meet a law-abiding tenant named Gofar, delivering medicine to his sick wife. Did you think that Gofar was bullshitting them and was no. actually a baddie? No, you just assumed. Well, I don't know. Did. I mean, been, like I saw this the year it came out. I don't know what I thought at the time anyway, <laughs> anymore, you know? Dread has a similar kind of, they have some similar interactions with like good people living in the building who help them out. Continuing to the sixth floor, the team is spotted by two young lookouts, one of whom raises the alarm. That's a funny name, two young lookouts. Yes, he's a, it's a typical Indonesian name. Tama calls in reinforcements and the team suffers casualties. Tama cuts the lights and announces over the PA system that the officers are on the sixth floor stairwell and that he will grant permanent residence to those who kill them. Again, that's a moment exactly right from the dread. same as yeah, yeah. Exactly the same. The remaining team members are ambushed by shooters from above and are almost completely wiped out. Prior to the gunfight, Wayu confesses to Jaka that he staged the mission so he can eliminate Tama, who is in league with corrupt police officials, including himself. The mission is not officially sanctioned by police command and there will be no reinforcements. Does this... Do they deal with this in the second film at all? Any of the kind of fallout of yeah. okay. corruption Yeah, okay, give you a quick um, blow-by-blow intro. So Raid 2 starts the moment uh, this raid ends. and Of them walking out the building. Yeah, and... Rama gets whisked uh, immediately away to go undercover to root out corrupt police officers. Mm, um, nice, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, they immediately take Rama and what's his name? Bad cop. Uh, why you? White hair, bad cop. Why you? They take them away, and uh, Rama gets uh, very much like the start of uh, Infernal Affairs or mm. um, The Departed. The remaining officers, Rama, Bowo, Jaka, Wayu, Dagu, and three others retreat to an empty apartment and are cornered by more armed thugs. Rama uses an axe to create a hole in the floor so the team can descend to the lower level. Awesome. Great move. Dropping to the room below, the team struggles to fend off Tama's thugs. Yeah. The three other Great shot that, dropping down killed. onto the rug and he's yeah. just surrounded just guys like, just like the raptors. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, or zombies or something. Well, it is a zombie movie. That's one thing I thought I had this time around. This is, this is kind of a zombie movie. I saw Gareth Evans referred to it as like a kind of horror film. 
a horror film like a zombie film. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would totally agree with that. The three other officers are killed and Bowo is critically injured. Rama uses a propane tank to construct an improvised explosive device that eliminates the invading henchmen. With more of Tama's reinforcements approaching, the team splits into two groups. Jack, Adagu, and Wayu retreat to the fifth floor while Rama and Bowo ascend. What's their thinking there? Why do Rama and Bowo go up while the others go out the door? Is it, do they split up for a specific reason there? I mean, because they, they got like, to get... Pincer movement type thing. So, I mean, they got to get up. Like, they got to get up to the top floor, I suppose. I guess, but it just is strange that he decides to take the injured guy. I never really understood that of why like, they wouldn't if just they leave said him. any. I, or I didn't know if they'd if he'd said to Wayu like or Jacka like I'll go this way. I didn't catch any interaction of of Rama. It looked like Rama just went fuck this. Let's go up through the hole. Rama and Bowo locate Gofar's apartment, and Gofar reluctantly hides the officers inside. A gang wielding machetes search the apartment but fail to find them. So that includes the the wall stabbing scene. Yeah, it's pretty cool. After tending to Bowo's wounds, Rama leaves to search for Jacko's group. Rama encounters the machete gang and defeats them. Yeah, that's when he really starts kicking the shit out of people. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, where that's, Rama. Uh, this is the seven in. floor corridor fight. Yeah. yeah, that's the. So first of all, you've got the the knife fight, and then later the machete one. And yeah, yeah, that's the first time you really get to see him unload. Yeah, and it's like a lot. Like there's a lot of the film is just very very short shots, and then you start mm-hmm. to get some longer ones because you got like a martial artist there you know you might as well use them when you've got a monster like that rama encounters the machete gang and defeats them tackling their leader through a window and plummeting onto a fire escape below yeah that's pretty cool on the sixth floor he finds andy who has murdered two of tama's men andy is revealed to be his his estranged brother whom rama signed up for the mission to search for at the urging of their father rama refuses to leave the building without his comrades and andy refuses to abandon his criminal life Rama parts ways with his brother to search for his surviving colleagues. Yeah, would you have liked Andy to get the redemption like the UK title suggests? No, I think it's good that he decided to stick with the fucking... He does what he knows. He's like, I'm good at this. Yeah. I'm good at it. This is my world. I I like that. You're a police officer. That's your world. Which is why the 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 retitling makes no sense. I think the idea behind that... Well, Gareth Evans wanted to make further... Well, what would be a better subtitle then? The Raid Tower Just the of Raid? Hell. The What's raid, wrong with The Raid? Yeah. Could the second one be called Redemption? Yes, actually. Redemption would be a better title for the second one. There's a, there was a similar thing about the like rise of the Planet of the Apes and those three films, mm. the trilogy, the, the titles the na- the names are, are wrong. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They should be, for sure. should be moved around. Mad Dog discovers Jacka and his group on the fourth floor. Why you runs off. <laughs> <laughs> what a shite bag. <laughs> yeah, 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 he's awful. <laughs> and Jacka instructs Dagu to protect him. I love him. characters like that. that he's are... got fucking Alan Partridge energy. <laughs> <laughs> he does. You know, you, you nailed it, actually. I'm yeah. Siege Face. Oh, that's funny. Mad Dog challenges Jacka to hand-to-hand combat. He ultimately emerges the victor and kills Jacka. I mean, that's like a, that's a huge scene of doing all kinds of, like, uh, like wrestling moves, mm. like straight out of the WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing like all pile drivers and are practically. They're do, he's doing like suplexes and bits and pieces. There's all kinds of fun well, stuff. Well, when he's fighting on. the two boys. No, no. Well, just when Mad Dog is fighting Jacka. Oh, right. Like, yeah, Mad yeah, Dog yeah, yeah, is yeah. doing wrestling moves. Yeah, totally. Just throwing him around the place. Like. Yeah, ragdolling him. 
And there's two or three times where, yeah, you think maybe the, like Jack is getting the better of him slightly, but, but you know he's nah. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad Dog then meets up with Andy to report back to Tama. Oh, yeah, and he's dragging him around like a cat with a bird. Tama, having learned of Andy's treachery through his surveillance cameras, inca- incapacitates Andy, which is a nice way of, say, of saying stabs him through the hand with a big knife. Yeah. Rama regroups with Dagu and Wayu, and they head for Tama on the 15th floor, fighting through a narcotics lab along the way. That's a fun little scene of smashing smashing up a drugs lab and, uh, and kicking the fuck out. Yeah, Why are you doing there. some, like, old man fighting? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> Old does. man karate on people. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a cool old scene. Rama separates from Dagu and Wayu when he discovers Mad Dog torturing Andy. Mad Dog lets Rama free Andy and fights them both. The way they come across Mad Dog there does feel a bit... It just, they're kind of like, he. I, I thought that he was maybe seeing things or something. I didn't, it just... It, it, oh, when he sees I, him through the door. Yeah, he sees him through like the window and the door beating the shit out of his brother. It just felt like, oh, wow, that's quite handy. That, <laughs> that's here. That seems to be, that's quite, it's quite, quite convenient. I love it that it's two against one and he's, yeah. he's almost winning all the yeah. time. Yeah, he's just, like he's so explosive. He's got that zombie energy as well. Like he just keeps going and going and going. Okay, like you know this the point in the fight where they uh, stab him in the neck with the most durable light bulb in yeah. history, um, and <laughs> even drag it across a little bit. And I thought there's this. I think it's just great acting in the middle of the fight. There's this kind of thing in his face where he's like, "Okay, I know I'm going to die, so I better kill these cunts before I die." And he just gets even stronger. It's fucking amazing. You, I mean, you're watching that and you know that there's got to be like, there's got to be a point where he kind of has the upper hand and mm. then he loses. Like you're, you're going through it beat by beat going, I wonder how this is going to play out. Mm. And yeah, they just make it that he's kind of is super strong. He has this never give up thing. He's like a vampire or something. You have to fucking put a stake through his heart to get rid and of him. And yeah, by the time he uh, dies, like unlike other like cool kills in the film, like that are, you know, just moments that you enjoy when he dies it's a lot like you can i don't know let your breath out or something i was like jesus yeah thank, thank god, god yeah, that yeah. instead <laughs> so Very yeah andy cool. with andy's help rama eventually manages to kill mad dog meanwhile why you and dagu confront tama why you kills dagu the bastard mm-hmm. why you uh before taking tama hostage Tama taunts Wayu by revealing that he knew they were going to raid the building and that Wayu was set up by his corrupt superiors and will be killed regardless. So Wayu foolishly uses his last bullet <laughs> to kill Tama mm-hmm. and then turns the gun on himself only to find out he is out of He's ammunition. Click, click, yeah. And then moving into the final section, Andy uses his influence to allow Rama to leave with the injured Bowo and detained Wayu and he also hands over blackmail recordings Tama made of the corrupt officials he dealt with, telling him to contact Officer Bunawar. Does Officer Bunawar yes. make an appearance in Raid 2? Yes. Good, because I was just watching it going like, who's that and why should I care? Why does he have a name? Is my question. Is like, Interesting why did you name uh, this story about the last uh, scene of the film. So they... Um, the, the f- out the front of that building was actually on like a very sort of busy street. And just when... Um, just when Rama's like saying goodbye and stuff, apparently there was a bunch of noodle stands like just very near the shot, and uh, they were just getting all pissed off with each other. They were tired; it was hot or whatever. And then at the end of one shot, uh, that he, it was cut, and Evan said they couldn't use it. He just apparently walked off, got some noodles. 
ate the noodle, like and just just you know shut down filming for about ten minutes just because he was annoyed and went to eat some noodles because Respect. yeah yeah indeed they had to completely redesign the the sound for that sequence because there was you know you know life Our happening noodles. right there you know. Rama asks Andy to come home, but Andy refuses and asserts that he can protect Rama in his role as a gang boss, but that Rama cannot do the same for him. As Andy turns around and walks back to the apartment block, Rama, Bobo, and Wayu exit the end. Nice. And then you get uh, Mike Shinoda and Chino Moreno from uh, lead singer of the Deftones. I haven't thought about the Deftones in many years. Well, there you go. He's, he does the vocals on the song at the end, I believe. And then Breath of Fresh Air. And that's the end. That's the end of the raid. Will you I've watch it again? It. I don't know. Uh, I think I've seen it about six times now, and yeah, I, I'll definitely watch it again. Uh, yeah, I would, I'm not. It kind of makes me want to watch Dread again. <laughs> <laughs> me, too, me too. I need to see Dread again, to be fair. I've only seen it once. But I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think for me, it really kicked into gear when the martial arts started, when the, when the hand-to-hand combat started. That was when I was like, okay, I get it. Before that, I could take or leave. Mm. Just the going into the tower and everything. I was like, yeah, okay, but but I think it's got when the martial arts kicks in with the penchak silat. I was like, okay, I'm it's a great this. slow build in that in that sense. I found anyway. I went on YouTube and started watching some videos about that martial art penchak silat. And what is it like? In competition, it doesn't look that hardcore. But when you watch some of the training, there's I watched this Belgian guy who's like a high level instructor and mm. some of the things he does are like just incredibly fast punch combos it's a it's very much one of those martial arts where you try and fuck people up as much as possible in a very short time nice reminds Mutai me of my crab. reminds me yeah reminds me of my krav maga training nice so um, yeah I would you ever go back and up. do more of that absolutely watching this film made me want to get back to it. i I guess I stopped just before COVID and then I couldn't restart during COVID because everything was like non-contact. Yeah. But I enjoyed getting punched. I enjoyed punching people and I'd like to do some of it again. It's fun times. I'm, I'm, I've actually, I'm at the moment, uh, I'm hitting the gym quite regularly with, uh, with an eye to doing some type of training like that next yeah, year. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Mm. It's, it's good fun. Not quite Krav Maga. I don't know what, but uh, that's the end game. It's good because it gives you the confidence to foolishly overestimate your abilities and put yourself <laughs> into dangerous situations. Well, what I want to do is basically when somebody like Timothy Chalamet, is Chalamet comes along to meet my daughter, I want to be ready. Yeah, well, I don't think you need to do, study martial arts to be able to batter to Timothy Chalamet. I want to do it in style, though. I don't want it to look like I'm just bullying him, you know. What was the uh, criteria? Well, you were the one who came up with the I criteria. Know, but I'm asking about... you. Fine, I'll say it. Well, no, you. I'll I'll interpret it the way that you said it, which is it was to you wanted me to fill your gap. Yeah, I wanted something. you to fill a glaring gap. <laughs> fill my glaring, glinting gap. I I interpreted your criteria to mean that look for like a big film mm-hmm. that uh, you should have seen but that you haven't. Exactly. I struggled with that. I looked through all the list of, uh, you know, 30 films you should have watched before you die of COVID. You've seen all of them. I've seen the vast majority of the big, big films. So inspired by Mr. Tony Lung from Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, I decided I would go back and uh, I haven't seen any Wong Kar Wai films. Oh, really? I've seen none of them. I've always... 
I've always meant to watch them. I've got a bunch of them ready to go. I've got Chungking Express. Oh. I've got 2046. But I wanted to go for 2000s in the mood for love. Okay. I've seen it. That's one of the couple I've seen. Um, yeah, it's actually on tonight, but I'm at the cinema. Are you going to go? No, what because cinema? I... Uh, well, the, the cinema phenomena in Barcelona, but... I'm not going to go because it's at like almost midnight oh, yeah, and yeah. I don't want to watch a foreign film with Spanish subtitles. You, like me, also have a bedtime then, I take it. Yeah. I don't even I, bother with a 10 o'clock showing anymore because I'll just fall asleep. I'd rather, I, I could watch it with Spanish subtitles, but I'd rather watch it with English subtitles if yeah, I was sure. choose a Hong Konger. Film. Yeah. Uh, I, if, if, everything I've seen from him, I, I really enjoyed and I wouldn't mind watching that one again. So, uh, yeah. All right, cool. Mine is, uh, you've, it strikes me as a film you might have seen 10 times, but I've never seen um, Oliver Stone's big outing, uh, Platoon. I've never seen Platoon. Oh, God, yeah, I've seen Platoon a million times, but I'd be happy to rewatch it. I haven't seen it for a few years. We'll get some Barber's Adagio for Strings mm. playing. Well, like you said, I've just uh, I recently read his book, Chasing the Light, and it's all about his career in the run-up to eventually making Platoon. So it seems about right that I check it out at this I point. Guess, uh, There'll be no surprises. I'm pretty sure I know all the story You know beats. all the story beats, yeah. 100%. It's just Charlie Sheen going like, uh, I want to kill Charlie, not Sheen. Uh, that was also, he. that was part of, was it part of a trilogy? Yeah, there so a, there's that, Born on the 4th of, of July, which I have seen. I've seen that. And, and then the Earth, other one, Heaven and Earth. With yeah. a Tommy Lee Jones falling right. in love with a Vietnamese lady. Yes. Uh, it's which I have not and seen. And then Mark Wahlberg blinds her. <laughs> that's not true and then he wins the vietnam war <laughs> yeah, single-handedly. single-handedly and then he crashes the vietnam war into the twin towers <laughs> yes. fact these are facts i love marky mark right you have a coin here it is all right I'm giving it to you because i did it last time cool beans okay so oh, this is a copper i don't know what this options are. are church thing or five church thing that's odd it's for a protestant a man thing. to pick but okay a protestant all right cool beans one second you're going church it is five we're gonna be watching platoon okay nice i'm on board with that that's Excellent. fine Me too. i haven't seen it for years i enjoy it uh tom berenger's very good willem defoe's very good in it it's exciting i'm really looking forward to it and if i might say just to jump in on you having not seen one car way a very good place to start is his early film, Days of Being Wild. I well, really recommend that as a starting point. I lived it. I lived those days. <laughs> so that's fine. Well, let me tell you my criteria because it's, oh, yeah. it's a little unusual, maybe. Excellent. I said my criteria was a sports movie. Okay. All right. I'm in with that. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. I was looking. I, I Googled earlier and I had a look and there's, there's all manner of them out there. I've seen a lot of them. But Do documentaries some... count? Uh, no. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, a documentary is fine, sure. What is it? Hoop yes Dreams? or no? I've already seen it, but yes, fine, whatever you want. Oh, no, I'm not watching Hoop Dreams. It's too long. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like four hours, but I have watched it. It's very good. Yes, a documentary is fine. All right, we'll figure I it out then. Yeah, I don't want to know anything more. No, I'm just curious. I haven't decided anything. I really don't know what I'm going to pick for this. Okay, All right. good. Cool beans. Well, well uh, I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye. Bye.